Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to kind of just reverse just a little bit because I know it's been a few weeks, but we've been looking at this message that I've entitled Return to the Lord, Amen. And, and there's been several things that we've been looking at uh, over the past few weeks. But one of the things that we were looking at uh, the last time that we met was we were talking about returning to the Lord. And we were talking about coming back to the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength. Amen. And, and that means that there's, there's something that happens in the, in the heart of every believer. You know, I believe that there's times where... You and I, you know, we are anchored in Christ, amen, but how many of you know that an anchor will still let you kind of sway? doesn't mean that you're going to completely drift away, but it does give you the ability to sway. It does give you the ability to kind of, you know, move a little bit this way or move a little bit that way. Well, my point is this, is that I believe as, as believers and, and, and people of God, if you've had a relationship with the Lord long enough, you've, you've, you've experienced, you know, maybe ups and downs, you've experienced highs and lows, you've experienced seasons where you were tremendously close to the Lord and you felt the presence of God near to you, you know, in a, in a strong and tangible way. And then maybe you've gone through other seasons of life where, you know, maybe the Lord felt a little bit distant. However, the word is true and we know that the Lord has never left us and the Lord will never forsake us. Amen. But we do go through seasons in our walk with the Lord where we see maybe these ups and downs or we see these differences. And the whole point of this message that I really believe the reason why the Lord laid it upon my heart is because I, I have this, this urgency and this strong, you know, just, uh, you know, um, urgency in my heart to say the Lord is going to return, church. The Lord is going to return. Amen. Uh, I, I, I wish, I, you know, I could give you the date and pass out the flyer and, you know, let everybody know when that's going to be. But I do know this. The Bible says that the Lord is going to return for his pure and spotless bride. Amen. And the purity and the spotless has everything to do with the blood of Jesus cleansing us and washing us and purifying us and reconciling us to God and making us righteous before the Lord. Amen. But I believe while we have the opportunity, while we're still living in this earth, we still have another day to get closer to the Lord. We still have another opportunity to, to refine our faith in the Lord. And there's times where we, we may think that we're good and then all of a sudden we go through another season or a trial. And, and, and as we go through those things, the Bible calls that a refiner's fire. When we go through those kinds of moments with the Lord, those refiner's fires, they actually reveal impurities in our walk with the Lord. There's times where you go through the heat, you go through something that really tests your faith. And in those moments of testing, out, out comes the impurities, out comes the weaknesses, out comes the fractures in our relationship with the Lord. And guess what? The Lord is merciful and he allows us to go through those things so that we can see, hey, guess what? There's an area that needs to be addressed. Amen? And the Lord does it because he's kind and he's, he's gracious. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. And to that image, the Lord desires that we would return. So no matter the shortcomings, no matter the faults, no matter the, the things that we need to, you know, work on in our life, I believe the Lord is restoring us back to the image of Jesus. Amen? And for some of us, that is, it's a daily process. I've said it like this before. Salvation is, is instant. 
There's, there's, there's an, an instant shift that happens when you are born again. Sanctification is a process. Consecration is a process. That means that you are being refined day in and day out. There's a scripture that says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed daily. There's an inward renewal that happens every single day for the believer in Christ. Amen. And so the Lord is wanting us to come back to him. If there's an area of our heart and our life that in some way, whether it seems minute to you now, that, that thing that, you know, when I gave that illustration, I talked about, you know, a sheet of ice. When a sheet of ice forms on a lake, it starts off as this little crystal layer. You can't even, you know, almost see it. But over time, the crystals, they, they build up and all of a sudden they get more and more dense. And, and, and as they get denser and denser and denser, they, it hardens so much so that you could walk upon, you know, a, 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 the water, <laughs> literally. And the Lord is always wanting us to guard our hearts, to not let our hearts become callous and not let our hearts become hard in any kind of way. You know, the Lord's not coming back for a bunch of people that know the Bible really well. The Lord's not coming back just for people that attend church really good on a Wednesday night. The Lord's not coming back for people that are really good at all the religious stuff and they've got the routine down and they dress the part and they, they talk the part and they act the part. No, no, no. The Lord is coming back for those who are his, for those who he knows, for those that have relationship with him every single day. This is whom the Lord is going to return for. Because there's those, the Bible says, that there will be those on the left that said, Lord, I did this for you and I did that for you, Lord. I served you. I cast out the demons, Lord. I, I washed the feet. I did all these exploits for you. And he says, what? Depart from me. I what? I never knew you. The Lord is looking for a relationship. And I say this because I believe every single one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we could look deep within our hearts and we could see areas where we need to return to him. Some of you, when you began ministry a few years ago, you were on fire for the Lord. Now that fire is, is, is just a little tiny spark. Still a little smoke there. Still a little spark. But it's not the same joy that you once had when you first began. Why? Because you've gone through things in your life and the Lord is saying, return to me. Come closer to the fire, and guess what? I'll ignite your heart once again. Come closer in relationship with me, and I'll ignite your heart once again. I'll set you on fire. I'll, I'll make my face shine upon your life. I'll, 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 I'll express myself fully to you so that you know who that I am, and you'll walk around just, just you know, resembling me wherever you go. Remember the book of Acts when, when it was Peter and John, they were, they were being held you know, captive and, and they were being on trial before the Sanhedrin. And the Bible says that you know, there was this man that was blind and you know, he, was, he, was, he was blind and Peter and John, they pray for him and, and the guy's seeing now, right? Like what a miracle, like this man can see. And they're trying to accuse them. They're trying to like get after them. They're trying to, you know, just, you know, judge them and all this stuff. And, and then we see that Peter and John are there and, and, you know, they're kind of standing before him going like, I don't know what to tell you. He sees. And they literally said in the scripture, we have no evidence because this guy is seeing. 
We can't like accuse him for doing something wrong because the guy that was blind, he is now seeing. But something that they said, they, the, the, the scripture makes note of this. It says that they had noted and they had noticed that these people had been with Jesus. The reason this man's blind sight was restored was because they were with Jesus. Guess what? Jesus wants to spend time with you. Amen. Jesus wants to spend time with us, church. Jesus wants inside of our life. Jesus doesn't want to play second fiddle. Jesus doesn't want to, you know, be, be you know, the, just the, you know, the thing that you run to when, when you've exhausted all your other options. Jesus is worthy to be primary, to be first, to be the top priority in your life every single day. But one of the things that we looked at and we talked about, and I will refresh your memory, is I talked about how there is this spirit that's attacking the church that I believe is causing a lot of division. I believe it's causing a lot of people's hearts to fall away. I believe it's got a lot of men and women trapped into things that, that you know, maybe we didn't realize we were, had come into agreement with. And I have to say this because it's important for us to understand, church, everything that we see in the natural has a spirit behind it. I'll say it again. Everything that you see in the natural is driven by a spirit. For example, people listen to music. How many of you listen to music? Amen? You just heard music like 10 seconds ago. You can't tell me that you don't. People listen to music and people say, oh, well, I listen to this and and, you know, it's not Christian, but, you know, I like the beat and I like the whatever and all that stuff. Well, let me just expose the devil. The biggest deception is not knowing you're being deceived. I'll say that again. The biggest deception is not knowing you're being deceived. Looking at the serpent and saying, hey, look, there's a snake. He must be friendly. Oh, it's the good snake, right? It's not the bad snake. This snake is the, the good kind. He won't harm me. The deception is this, is you listen to music because you say it has a nice beat or it's this famous person or what have you. But let me remind you very clearly. The Bible says that the battle that we face, the, the warfare that we wage is not against flesh and blood, but it's against what? Spirits and principalities of darkness. So I say music, for example, this music thing. We listen to music, we hear the music, we think, oh, it's just this artist or that artist or this person or that person, and we don't realize that it's all being driven by a spirit. I'll go to the next topic since I've already ruffled your feathers. Politics. <laughs> now I'm going to win everybody's vote tonight, all right? Let's talk about politics for about 10 seconds. We say that it's this side versus that side, but when you're being tricked and deceived to realizing that there's a spirit that's driving it the whole time. How do I know this? The scripture clearly teaches us about Baal, and I talked about this, but I'll remind us tonight. This God called Baal, this false God, this, this you know, God that you know, men you know, cut themselves for and, and worshipped and they believed they could get things from, was actually a demonic spirit that did several things. 
did everything from, from cause division and divorce, did everything from causing sexual immorality, did everything from calling, causing promiscuity, you know, uh, demonic uh, child sacrifice, uh, all these different things. All these things that we, we, we read about in Scripture that they were doing then, the Spirit is driving now. And I know this is not like, oh, yay, Pastor Duke, this is the greatest message I'm ever going to hear. But I need us to understand something. Bible says, he who has ears, let him hear. So it's important for us to understand what it is that we're seeing happen around us. It's not just, listen to me carefully, it's not just politicians fighting with each other. It's a spirit. Can we agree on this tonight? Everybody say amen. There's a spirit that drives everything. And if we're not aware, we're not alive, we're not keen, we're not walking in the spirit, then you will miss out on it all. Let me give you one more. Worship. Worship. Today's modern day worship is man-centered and not God-centered. Everybody say amen. Why? Because it's more about the artist. It's more about the show. It's more about the concert. It's lining the pockets of many who are so-called Christian artists that are writing nice songs that you're purchasing, that you're filling their pockets for and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we don't realize, but we now have idolized these people within the church. And then it's like, yay, when this music group comes to town, everybody goes, but they won't put $5 in the offering plate. Did I just say that? Yes, I did. And we built for ourselves and rebuilt another idol within the church, and we didn't realize it. Why am I saying all this? Because sometimes we think in our hearts there's nothing that needs to be addressed when actually there's a lot that needs to be addressed. Because if we come into agreement with these things and we've realized that all of a sudden, you know what, I was believing all this stuff. I was going along with all this stuff. It didn't actually cause anything in my heart or to notice anything or anything in my spirit to see something. Then, my friend, I have to give us fair warning tonight and tell us that maybe just maybe you need to return to the Lord. Because when you return to the Lord, it's from that perspective that you begin to see all things. When you are close to Christ and you're close to the heart of the Father, you will begin to see things that you couldn't see when you were backslidden and away from God. So when you're backslidden in and away from God, there's things that you do not have the ability to see. I'll say that one more time. When you're far away from God, you do not have the ability to pick up on the heart of God, the spirit of God, and understand what it is the Lord is showing you. Amen. I tell, I've heard people say stuff all the time. I'm not convicted by this. I can listen to whatever music. I'm not convicted by it. I listen to it anyways. Go see the movies that have all the... Nudity and all the, the X-rated, you know, stuff and all the, the foul language and whatever. And you're not bothered by it. You sit by it. You endorse it. You pay for it. You say, hey, it's no big deal. I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. I can tell right now that you're not close to the Lord. This wasn't in my plans to share any of this. I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to return to the Lord. 
Return to the Lord. Come to him. That word repentance, and I've, I've shared this with you, it means to come again, and it means to return to a higher way of thinking. Whose way of thinking? Not mine. We make everything right in our own minds. We justify everything in our, in our, in our own hearts. But to return to his way. Amen? To return to his way. It's important that we do this. It's important that we come to him. And so I believe it's important that we see these things, we understand these things, and we move towards the Lord. Amen? One of the things that we talked about last week was this, is to have a well-ordered heart. And I said this phrase, is to love the right thing to the right degree and in the right way. I'll say it one more time. To have a heart that is in order, to have a heart that is close to the Lord, is to love the right thing to the right degree in the right way. And so let's ask ourselves this question tonight. What is the right way to the Lord? Let's ask ourselves that question. What is the right way to the Lord? First thing I want you to write down is this, is to approach him as you are. What is the right way to the Lord? It's to approach him as you are. To approach him as you are. See, the only way to come to the Lord is as we are. If any one of us tries to clean up our act first, if any one of us tries to, you know, you know what, well, hold on a second. I'm going to go see the Lord. Let me dust myself off. Let me, let me wash my hands from my sin. Let me do this or that. You know, no, no. the Lord isn't looking for that because time and time again, you will fall short and you will fail. If we try to clean ourselves up before we come to the Lord, he's the one that does the purifying, amen? He's the one that does the transforming work. But if we try to clean ourselves up before we go to him, we'll fall short every single time. Let us never forget, church, that everyone in proximity to Jesus had permission to approach him as they were. They had permission to approach him as they were. There was times where the disciples were, you know, kind of pushing away crowds of people. And there was other people that were trying to push away children from coming to Jesus. And he said, hold on a second. He's like, do not drive these children away. He said, if you want to drive them away from me, it's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck. A millstone was like this foundational thing that they used to, you know, use, you know, to, to they had this thing on top that they would grind the grain on top of this thing. And it was this huge stone. He said, if anyone drives them away from me, he said, it's better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and throw themselves into the depth of the sea. What was Jesus trying to illustrate? He was trying to say, listen, I have no fence around me. Anybody can come to me. Whatever the need, whatever the mess, whatever the condition, anyone can come to me. All they simply need to do is come. Back in those days, you remember there's scripture that teaches that there were lepers and people that had leprosy. And I was doing a little research, you know, this morning. And, and you know, leprosy is still a thing. I don't know if we, we think that leprosy just like faded away, you know, with the Bible. But people still get leprosy. And leprosy, as it, as it continues, as it progresses... People basically get like deformed hands and, and deformed feet and, and their body gets scaly and it gets so rough. It, it's, it's, it's almost like they're turning into 
to like concrete or something, you know, very dry. And it's this horrible disease. And back in those days, back in the Old Testament, if a person had leprosy, if they were stricken with leprosy, they had to go around the city shouting out, I am unclean. Now imagine the, the kind of hum, the, you know, embarrassment or the you know, humility that that person would feel having to walk around the city telling everybody, I'm unclean. Stay away. You have to stay far away from me because if I touch you, then you could get leprosy as well. So imagine people, you know, having to do this. This was a, a ritual that they had to perform. And Jesus literally goes and he, you know, in the New Testament, he, there's a group of lepers. And what does he do? They wanted to be clean. And Jesus goes up to them and Jesus is like, puts his hand on them and they're made well. He does the unthinkable in this moment because nobody was willing to touch a leper. But when the very one that is the deliverer of all men, the one who loves them endlessly, the one who is merciful, the one who is compassionate, he will stop at nothing to show his love. He will stop at nothing to show his compassion on that person. And Jesus would do the unthinkable. He would touch those with leprosy and they would be healed. Let us never forget everyone in proximity to Jesus could approach him as they were. The lepers, the prostitutes, the religious, the blind, the lame, the oppressed. They all had the same access to the Lord. Every single one of them. They all had the same access to the Lord. And whether or not you're born again now or you don't know the Lord, listen to me carefully. The access is the same. The starting point is exactly the same. Let's ask ourselves another question. Who is the right way to the Lord? Who is the right way to the Lord? You see, the Lord invites us to come to his son, Jesus. He invites us to come to his son, Jesus, but only one thing is required. It's not that we cleanse ourselves. It's not that we make ourselves, you know, better or new, that we clean up our act. It's that we have faith in who he is. That when we approach him, that when we come to him, we have faith and we believe in who he is. Because this is where the supernatural takes place when we have faith that he is the son of God. You see, there was a lot of people that rubbed shoulders with Jesus that were never healed. Now, I was talking with Omar about this before service, but there was that woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. And, and the Bible says that, you know, Jesus was walking through a crowd of people. And what happened? He said, who touched me? The disciples said, Master, there's crowds of people around you. I mean, it, it could have been anybody. He says, no. He said, I, I, I felt power leave me. And when he discovered that there was a woman that was clinging to the hem of his garment, he said, your faith has made you well. What was it that attracted Jesus? What was it that drew out the power of God to, to heal this woman's issue? It was her faith. And the Lord, when we come to Jesus, he's looking at us to come to him with faith. In the Old Testament, we remember that there were priests who had access to the Lord on behalf of of the people. And these priests, they were considered mediators between the people and God. 
And this meant that if a person wanted their sins forgiven, they had to bring an offering or a sacrifice, you know, to the priest to offer up so that their sins could be forgiven. And that priest would offer the sacrifice up to the Lord on their behalf. And it was usually, you know, a goat, a ram, or a bull. It would be killed so that when its blood was spilled, that person's sins could be pardoned. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That means that blood had to be spilled in order for the sin to be atoned for. This happened once a year. But in the New Testament, we see that God the Father had a better plan, and that was to send his son as the once and for all sacrifice for all mankind to become the redeemer of all as well as become the high priest, become the mediator between us and the Lord so that you and I could have access to the Lord, we could have relationship with God so that we could have forgiveness of sin and we could become born again through the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter seven, verse 18, it says, the former regulation is set aside Because it was weak and useless. It says, for the law made nothing perfect. He says, but and a better hope is introduced by which we now draw near to God. Jesus is the better hope. Amen. Jesus is the better hope. And before we approach, you know, before the approach was through the blood of goats. But now we gain access to the Lord through the Lamb of God. Amen. We gain access to the Lord through the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. Can you thank the Lord for that tonight? Amen. John 14 and 6 confirms this. Jesus answered. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what does it say? And no one comes to the Father except through me. In John 10.10, Jesus describes himself as a door, as a gate. Here in John 14, Jesus is, is saying he's the way. So if Jesus is the door and Jesus is the gate and Jesus is the way, Jesus is the access point. Amen? If, if you've ever left, you know, McAllen, Texas, and you've driven to San Antonio, you have to go through the checkpoint. Amen? How many of you have ever gone around the checkpoint? All right, yeah, exactly. I didn't think so. <laughs> we all went through the checkpoint. Amen? There was no other way to get to San Antonio unless you go through the checkpoint. If you do not go through the checkpoint, I don't know if you should be in jail right now, you know. <laughs> but there's a way that you have to go through to get there. And in, in Christ, he, he's telling us plainly. He's telling us clearly and openly And I'll share more verses with you in a second, but he's telling us very clearly he is the access point to the Father. There's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way that we can get to the Father. John 3 in verse 35 says this, For the Father loves the Son, and he's placed everything in his hands. And whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. What's he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. He says, whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. John chapter 1 and verse 10 says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, this is awesome, though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. 
It says in verse 11, so he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, though, he says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed, what is belief representing of faith? It says, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Amen. Born of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this as well. Salvation is found in no one else. No one else. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Amen? There is no other name, church. There's no other way. There's no other person. There's no other access point. It's only through Jesus. Your wallet won't save you. Your elected officials will not save you. Your good works will not save you. Your boss will not save you. Your career will not save you. Your education will not save you. Jesus alone will save you. Can somebody say amen tonight? See, he's the only name that is qualified to save humanity from sin. Amen? Jesus is the right way and the only way to the Father in heaven. Praying to saints won't save you. I said that. Carrying a symbol around your neck is not going to save you. Amen. Getting baptized is not going to save you. Salvation is through a Savior in which his name is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. If it's forgiveness that you need, have faith in him and your sins will be forgiven. Amen. If it's healing that you desire, have faith and you'll see the Lord heal you. If it's the breaking of oppression or chains in your life, then have faith and you will see the Lord set you free. You will see the Lord set you free. No matter whatever the situation is, the Lord is able if we would just believe. Amen. If we would just believe in him. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. It's impossible to please God. It says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We must have a steadfast belief in our heart that when we come to Jesus, he is more than able. When we come to Jesus for for the atonement of our sins, for the reconciliation of our sins, his blood is more than enough. Nothing needs to be added to his blood. Amen? Our good works aren't going to save us. His blood is more than enough. And it says here, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. You know, I love that scripture, and and I I forget the exact passage off the top of my head. For some reason, I feel like it's in John 11. But there's a scripture that says, greater are those who have not seen and yet still believe. There's something about this generation, about you and me, about people living in this day and time. You know, we, we're not walking with Jesus. We didn't have that, that, that blessing like the disciples did. I mean, I'm pretty sure it would be a lot easier to believe, you know, having walked around with the guy. Right? You walk with him for three, three and a half years. You know, you go where he went. You know, you see the miracles. You see firsthand all the things that he did. And then you see that... 
they, they left him in a tomb. You see him crucified. They see him left in a tomb, and all of a sudden, he's walking through the city. I mean, I'm pretty sure I would believe if I seen him resurrected. I'd be like, man, weren't you, you know, you were in the tomb for three days, Jesus. And now you're walking around the city perfect. But the Bible says greater are those who have not seen. You see, I didn't get to see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. I wasn't there to witness him dying on a cross for my sins. But yet I have a hope, I have a faith, and I have a belief. And what this word says is absolutely true that he did for me. And on that, my friends, that is the measure of which I must come to him. Believing that everything the word says about his life is 100% true. Some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Duke, there's so many things that I've done in my life. <laughs> you don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I'm, I'm ashamed to come near to Jesus because he's holy, he's blameless, he's, he's perfect. You know, did you know, church, that we are counted righteous before God only for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ by faith and not by our own works? See, what makes us righteous is not what we can control it, what we can do. It's only by the work of Jesus. It's only by the work of Jesus. He did it all. He did it all. It's finished, and all we need to do is place our faith in him. All we need to do is trust in the Lord. Again, you might say, well, you don't know my past. You don't know you know, what I've done, if you only knew the, the shame, you know, if you only knew how deeply I've, I've been hurt, the pain that I've gone through, if you only knew how many times, you know, I've failed the Lord, if you only knew how many times the enemy has told me that the Lord will never forgive me for what I've done. May I remind you tonight, the door of mercy is wide open. The door of mercy is wide open, church. The door of mercy is wide open. Mercy means the gift of God's undeserved kindness and compassion. I don't know about you, but the Lord's been merciful to me. So merciful to me. So wonderfully merciful. And the door of mercy is wide open. The door is not yet locked. There will be a day, church, when the trumpet sounds, where that door of mercy will lock, where that, that ability to come back to him, it won't have, we won't have access to that any longer. But here and now, and in this moment, right now, right now, and the Lord could come in the next 10 seconds. You may not believe me, but this room could be empty in 10 seconds. The here and now that we have the opportunity, that we have life in our breath, we see that the mercy seat is wide open. The Lord is saying, listen, you can come to me. My heart is full of love. My heart is full of compassion. My heart is full of mercy. No matter what the situation or what a person has been or may have been in the daytime or at midnight or at any time, whenever that person returns to the Lord, he will find the Lord willing and ready to receive him, willing and ready to forgive him of sin, willing and ready to welcome him back home. 
This is the kind of God that we serve, church. This is the kind of God that we serve. All things are ready, and whoever desires to return to him, he welcomes you back home. One of my favorite passages of scripture is the story of the prodigal son. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I kind of, I, I, I imagine that, you know, sometimes I'm who the scripture is talking about. And you know what? That's just the truth, right? We all are. But when I read that story about the prodigal son and I see how the Bible says that he took, you know, his father's inheritance and he went about in the world and he, he squandered everything. That means he, he spent it all. He blew it all. He, he spent it on wild living. He spent it on just being irresponsible. He took everything that his father had given him. He wasted it in life. And, and he found out, you know, after some period of time that he was broken. He was hurt. He was empty. He had nothing to show for it. He, was, he found himself, I'm sure, exhausted and burdened and just heavy laden. And, 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 you know, the whole time he thought he was doing good things, he thought, you know, hey, I'm living it up. I'm, I'm doing whatever I want. But he finds himself broken and, and worn down. And, and the Bible says that, you know, his heart had this, this shift moment. It had this moment where he, he realized everything that he had done. And in that moment when he just simply turned back, it's all he did. He just simply said, you know what? I'm going nowhere. I just want to go back to my father's house. He said, for even the servants in my father's house, they, I'd eat their meal. I don't even have to sit at the table with dad again. I just want to be back in the, in the community. I just want to be back in the fold. And the Bible says that as he began to make his way back home, his father saw him. That means as he turned from his wayward lifestyle of sin, as he turned from his lifestyle of, of, of being far from God, and he began to direct himself back to the Father, the Father saw him. And the Bible says that when he was a long ways off, the Father told his servants, get the food ready. Get the table ready. Get me the finest robe. Get me a ring. And when the son was coming towards him, the Bible says that the father ran. You see, he beat his son to the mark. He ran and he embraced his son and he welcomed him back home. There was a great celebration church that just erupted in that moment because a son came back home. And because I know the mercy from which the Lord has given me, every time I read that story, it just, it just hits me to my core. Because so many times, church, for whatever reason, we just do things our own way. We think that somehow God's <laughs> not a little hurt by it. Think that somehow God's not a little bothered we were singing a little while ago his way is better but we think that sometimes we just do it our way and it's going to end up okay and the father gives us the same opportunity to just simply 
turn around and say, Lord, I'm coming back home. John 6, 37, it says this, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, he said, I will never drive away. He'll never drive you away. He'll never push you away. Remember one time I I heard my girls and they were playing outside and they were, I don't know what they were, I thought they were just outside. I look outside and we, we had this little like blow up pool in a spot in our yard at one time and blow up pools don't work very well with a little short midget dog that we have. <laughs> so I took the pool down and threw it away or whatever but there was like this big spot where there was no grass and you know whatever and my girls you know they went outside and I just thought they were playing in the swings and you know kind of roaming around the yard and I, I, I go outside and I, I literally see both of my daughters covered in mud I'm like what are you doing and they're like I mean head to toe just mud they're just like wallowing like pigs in this you know you know they turn on the hose and they're just you know splashing and, and they're having the best time in the world you know as a dad you know I, I was a little bothered by it because I'm like dude you know you're gonna track that through the house you know you're gonna go all the way up you know I gotta get you cleaned up before you come back at the house you know I gotta get you know and so I literally stood outside with the hose and I'm like hosing off my daughter's you know to get them, you know, clean enough to be able to dry them off and, and, and get them inside. And, you know, I think they had dirt under their nails for a month and stuff. You know, I don't, I don't even know how long it lasted. But it's funny, when I, when I pictured it, you know, initially I, I thought to myself, I said, man, what are they doing? They're covered in mud. But it's my job as a parent. It's my job as a father to clean them up. It's my job to, to get them back in order. Even if they're having fun, even if they're, they don't have a care in the world, you know, I got to get them cleaned back up. And, you know, I would never drive my daughters away and be like, you can't come back in the house. I would never be like, hey, you know what, you're too dirty. Like, that's it. You, you get to live outside from here on out. <laughs> no, instead I say, let's clean up so you can come home. And the Lord has this special way of cleaning us up and restoring us back so that we can just simply come back home. He has this wonderful way of showing grace and love at the same time that's unexplainable, but we need it so bad. And when we come to him in that place, there's not only a restoration of transformation of things that happen on the outside, but there's this purification that happens in our soul and in our heart that brings us back to this place of peace and rest in the Lord. Place of security. Amen. And so this is what the Lord is desiring. He said, anyone who comes to me, I'll never drive away. I'll never drive you away. And tonight, we have a few minutes, and I've asked uh, Brother Santiago and Sister Claudia if, if they would come tonight. And DJ, would you guys come? I just want to make a simple invitation tonight. We're going to open this altar in just a second. 
but I just want you to come to the Lord. The invitation is not to this place. The invitation is not to me. The invitation is to simply come to him with whatever you've been carrying and leave it with him. And before I open this altar, I have to ask this because it's important. Maybe somebody in this place tonight has never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'll say it one more time. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit is actually tugging upon your heart tonight. I want to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord because I believe, first and foremost, maybe you're, you're listening to this message and you're saying, that's me. I'm the one that needs to be cleaned up. I'm the one that needs to be transformed. I'm the one that needs my sins forgiven. Well, listen, for those of us that are born again, each and every one of us came to an altar just like this or had an encounter with Jesus at one point where we said, Lord, I realize that right now I'm broken. I'm fractured. I realize, Lord, that I have sin in my life, Lord. I realize that I have unforgiveness in my life, God. And there's nothing that I have the power to do anything about that. But your word is faithful and your word is true. And your word says that if we would come to Jesus, he became the payment for our sin. He became the payment. He was the one that stood in our place so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.